0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, March 22nd episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com and on social media via Instagram, Twitter, as well as SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the poets and muses soundcloud page with us today is jabari jawan allen with whom i will be discussing his poem the soul wishes it could blow on the wound and my poem dying in the dark before we do that i do want to tell you that Although I won't be announcing physical poetry events taking place in the Phoenix metro area because of the coronavirus pandemic and social distancing that we need to take in order to stem its spread, I do want to let you know that Connect and Heal's weekly Tuesday Poetry Workshop will be going online as of this Tuesday, that's March 24th, from 6 to 8 p.m. local Arizona time. You can join them on Zoom, which is a free software at Zoom dot us forward slash J forward slash five two zero two zero eight eight four five one. Again, that's zoom dot us forward slash j forward slash 5202088451. Another regular event that will be going online is Equality Arizona's Monthly Queer Poetry Salon, this month featuring Tate Walker and Julian talamantes Brulaski. This will take place from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. on Friday, March 27th, and you can join them at zoom.us forward slash j forward slash 7.30 Two nine six nine five six. Again, that's zoom.us forward slash J four slash 730 296 And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week, Jabari Jawan Allen. Hi, Jabari. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses.
1: Hi, Imogen. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Wonderful. Excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So you brought with you the beautiful poem, The Soul Wishes It Could Blow on the Wound.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Before we get into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jabari. I am a Black queer poet and uh, educator. I am initially from Chicago, Illinois, mm-hmm. um, but I've been here for 14 years, I think. Here in Phoenix, right? Oh, okay. Meaning, like, Yevapai, a Dome, and Hohokam Land, right? Which is what that really is. Right. <laughs> Not just Phoenix, you know, it's yeah. U.S. occupied land, indigenous land, really. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: I write and I teach here in the valley. Okay.
0: What do you teach? Who do you teach? So, yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I teach uh, some creative writing classes monthly. I'm working with the Piper Center in conjunction with one in 10. So I teach um, LGBTQ youth.
0: Oh, okay. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. I heard from another poet guest, Tanner Minard, mm-hmm. um, who works at Equality Arizona to yeah. run the queer sol- poetry salon mm. that apparently per capita, is it Arizona or Phoenix, I forget. I think it's Arizona, has more LGBTQ community members than anywhere else in the country.
1: I had no idea of yeah. that. Yes. That's, Pretty beautiful to think about. I, n- I never knew that.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, and and I noticed myself that I run into a lot. But I just thought I go to a lot of different communities. So mm, yeah. Um how did you get into teaching this particular community? Besides the fact mm. that you're a queer poet yourself, but you know, just because you're a queer poet doesn't mean you're going to end up teaching LGBTQ. Right. Correct.
1: Yeah. I'm a believer in you know divine timing and you know spiritual aspects of time. Mm and you know receiving knowledge that is not finite and limited and i feel like that is where my life for the most part has been heading and,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i had you know this idea to do it mm-hmm. but i never really knew how when people started to recognize me here in the valley mm-hmm. people like felicia zamora and as someone who's new to the um the piper center mm-hmm. at asu and mcdonough mcdonough i think i oh, pronounced their last name right Oh, I
0: always get that wrong.
1: I, I, is it McDonough?
0: Is it <laughs> I'm not sure. Because I feel horrible because uh, I like, work closely with them. This is O-U-G-H at the end, and I pronounce it off and also O, but I'm not too sure because I've never met them.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, they're they're often at the poetry events too, so next time okay. we can, uh, if we're all in the same place, I can introduce you to please, them. Please, please. And ask, because I usually only call them M, you know? Right, right. I work closely with with M, mm-hmm. um, Felicia, and and M
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, reached out to me to do these workshops monthly with uh, LGBT youth in conjunction yeah. with the Pipers um, Outreach Center, which M you know sort of manages,
2: yeah. and
1: uh, one in ten, and I accepted clearly. Now I'm teaching at a different you know location,
2: right. and teaching is such
1: a weird term, right? Mm-hmm. Because I don't necessarily teach because this is their space, you know, right. their space, their rules. Right. They come here. Um, you know, for more than just to be taught at, you know, right. they get that at school. I don't want to do that, you know. I, right. I want to create new possibilities, new curiosities, new wonders, right? Right. And have them explore, you know, themselves in that aspect. And I think right. poetry, especially lyric poetry, can help them in that sense.
0: Right, right. And I think especially people who are in the marginalized community, mm-hmm. For them to see someone who reflects some of their characteristics mm-hmm. it's very helpful to make them feel less alone. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad you're doing
1: this. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited and, and honored. Um, I thank God for my ability to do it as well. Yeah. And that I was chosen, you know, yeah. to do it. So, exactly. I'm, I'm really excited about that.
0: Cool. And now, going back to your poetry, though, when did you start writing poetry and how did you come about doing that?
1: I have so many origin stories, <laughs> so many poet origin stories. But I think the the main one and the you know most truthful one, not to say other ways are lies. I think it was you know in many ways a culmination that, that brought I me mean, to poetry, mm-hmm. or um, that brought poetry to me. Right. Yeah. I think the main one though is that. When I was very young, I want to say 11 or 12 years old, mm-hmm. um, when my brother moved out of the house, he left behind uh, Tupac's greatest hits album. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that and it, was, it enthralled me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it moved me because it was talking about real. Is this a family? Like No, movie? no. You um, can say whatever you want. Shit. It talked about real shit. Like, <laughs> um, you know, like, and Tupac was such a very complicated figure for me. right? Mm. Because he moves in so many cultures, right? But also mm-hmm. his upbringing was was very fascinating to me as well. Like the fact that he was raised by Black Panthers, right? And his mm. you know his godmother is Asada Shakur, right? Oh. And how you know revolutionary this 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 mm-hmm. young know, black man was raised, mm-hmm. and like the transition and and how he presented himself to the public eye, right? Mm-hmm. And and also the fact that he comes from this artsy background. Like he used to dance with you know oh. at a at a um an art school, you know, like okay. he used to do ballet and. You know, so it's it's really fascinating to learn the origins of someone like Tupac. Um right. and I need to find to, out
0: more. I don't, I yeah, really don't know much about him.
1: Yeah, I'll be, yeah, I'll definitely put you on. Please, but, but um, yeah, yeah it's it, he, him as a figure is really he really compels me. Mm-hmm. But also, the relationship he has to poetry, right? The fact that yeah. he kept this journal or many journals, rather, right. for you know. Uh, throughout the duration of his life for the most part.
2: Right. Um, like he was a poet. And he
1: was a poet in many ways, and he called himself a poet, and he mm. wrote poetry, right? Mm. A different kind of poetry that we are used to sing today, right? Mm. But I still believe that, you know, Tupac was a poet nonetheless, especially mm. in his raps, right? And, mm. You know, he's rapping about real shit, like, you know, Brenda had a baby, you know? Mm. And, and all these other, you know, stories that he told lyrically, which is something that really inspired me and encouraged me. It didn't lead me to poetry until a little bit later, right? Mm-hmm. But it definitely encouraged me to play sonically with words mm-hmm. and, you know, to have that autonomy to actually, that autonomy, that access to actually play with sound and words, mm-hmm. you
2: know?
1: Yeah. I owe Tupac and Hoop and, and, and hip-hop in general for my education in regards to, you know, sound and, mm-hmm. you know, oral culture, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I think that's one story I can tell, right, mm-hmm. about how I, how I began to write poems for the page was through reading poets like Langston Hughes and Rita Dove,
2: mm-hmm. and Rita Dove in
1: particular is the first contemporary poet that like let me know that I could do it. You know, I could okay. be a writer in the field of writing and write poetry, mm-hmm. and it'd be published and people can read it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I owe a lot to those those three in terms of my formation.
2: Yeah.
1: Some might even argue, like my mother probably might argue that it starts even you know before that. Right. Uh, so you never
2: yeah, know. it's yeah, you, you, <laughs> I, you
1: never know. and I do feel as though it does have its roots and its origin in my childhood somehow, but mm-hmm. you, know, I don't really you know, what, what consciously made me want to write poems for the page was you know, read it of and news. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're one of a few poets now who's told me of the Tupac inspiration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to listen to some of his raps. Yeah. And it's always hard for me when I'm listening to music or songs to pick up the lyrics.
1: Yeah. I have to sit with the lyrics. Yeah. I think that's such a privilege of being even though it's a listener, I'm still going to call it a reader, right? Right. It's, that's the privilege of being a reader now, the fact that you can look up these lyrics of these songs. Yeah. You know, like back in the day, you you had to look at like, and you were thankful, right, you you had to look at the liner notes of the album, right? If they even, you know, included them or put the lyrics in there, right? right? So, yeah, but being a reader now, is such a a privilege uh, mm-hmm. in that sense that you can look up these lyrics and decipher yeah. them and spend time with them
0: we have computers on our hands i mean yeah, yeah. it's wonderful i i love the positive aspects of this technology yeah,
1: yeah. and there's
0: so much knowledge that's just so accessible to yeah, us you know?
1: yeah yeah. It's, yeah it's
0: really wonderful well, and,
1: I'm, and i'm grateful f- for that because i I do believe that I am an autodidact, right? I am someone Mm -hmm. who very much so has taught himself the craft, right? Mm. So I don't know where I would be without the internet. I mean, if I was born in a different time, surely I probably would have depended on literal books and, you know, texts. Right, right, right. I am so grateful for the internet for teaching me so many things about, Mm -hmm. you know, the craft and the art and, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, the appreciation one should have for poetry. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind reading your poem for us,
1: then yeah. we can get into it. Yeah. The soul wishes a good blow on the wound. This poem appeared in VQR. Prelude. His teeth are lilies bursting from asphalt. White, many-petaled opulences. Amid danger, there is also beauty. When he whips me with the riding crop of his tongue, I curl into the earth's first question. To desire what, exactly? He has nothing to offer but kisses and semen. Cold enamorado of my nights, he wets flesh, thrashes above me like a black bough. As iron sharpens iron, he sharpens me. The first time I barely had the luxury of screaming. So I submitted, like any good catamite, at my master's thrust, I was hinged to hush. First Offering Like any good catamite, I was hinged to hush my whole arose in halo, I flickered a month of blood, and what is this masochism that I keep coming back, and coming back for more, no less, the answer, simple, to enter the wild void of seismic desire while still wanting us to arrive at an answer together. Second offering. I want us to arrive at an answer together. When he moans like a lilting contralto, I want to be taken up there with him, my ass in the air wet with deception, thus his ceaseless pivot, this other tongue of his which offers me no mercy, felled lark that I am, my plumage dishevelled here, and his cage reeking of pre and loud, there is an ecstasy I still can't seem to reach. Third offering And so there is an ecstasy I can't reach, and sleep he sinks lilies into me, my body is placeholder for grief, I am struck songlit in aviary. He hit me and it felt like a kiss. I spit a swarm of blood phlegm on a rosewood stump. It leaks like rubies down the land side of his Christ. The hole in my face is a burning bush, a lush thicket of common sex. Envoy. I dig deep into the soil's sex. I draw out a black earth tongue. Like tenebrous ice, it dissolves, a mercy, and so a quickening.
0: Thank you. (laughs) It's one thing to read it on the page. And then hearing it
1: mm.
0: adds another dimension to it,
1: mm.
0: and you probably know this already. You have a, a beautiful voice.
1: Thank you, <laughs> thank you.
0: Yeah,
1: I um, need to capitalize off of it.
0: <laughs> you should. You should do some voice work. Because,
1: you know, capitalism is awful, but we do what we can to survive in this. Well, in this we, structure.
0: <laughs> we are made of matter, and we yeah. do have to feed it and yeah. house it, yeah. and I so guess. you
1: know. Um, I, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna look into it. I'm really I'm gonna look into voice work and
0: whatnot. You you should. You really have a beautiful voice. Thank you. And the way that you emoted the poem, Mm, thank you. It really brings it to life.
1: Thank you. I think I owe that to you know, you know, that aspect of of hip hop and spoken word and and in some ways, you know, slam. Like Mm -hmm. in those fields, like you have to know how to read your work because it's not necessarily accessible to see it. right? Right. It's not necessarily visual when you're performing, right? It it lies within the word, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The spoken word. So, yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous.
0: (laughs) So tell us about the origin of the poem.
1: Yeah, so I, what I, you know, was sort of vacillating upon, like, is whether or not I should have read the note before, or after, but I forgot that we we're actually going to discuss the poem. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, the, as a note um, and as a, you know, citational practice, uh, it's important for me to mention that, you know, the, the title of the poem, "The Soul Which Is a Gibeau on the Wound," is from Gabriel D'Annunzio's Materno, mm-hmm. um, which was a, a originally uh, written in Italian and translated to the English by Stephen Sartarelli. Mm-hmm. And the poem also borrows and alters a phrase from Edward Carral's Corral's Art Completion, Oil on Wood,
2: mm-hmm. uh, Tina
1: Rodriguez, 1999. So I, I think that poem came from reading in more sense than one. Like, I had to feel, right, to, mm-hmm. to write this poem. And, mm-hmm. and, and it seemed as though I hadn't really felt anything in a while mm-hmm. until I wrote this poem, right? Yeah. And I was, you know, thinking through some things. I was thinking about, you know, lust, desire, you mm-hmm. know, and, and how that looks for you know the black queer person
2: right? mm-hmm.
1: in particular the black queer bottom right mm-hmm. um so i was i was thinking through things like that but i was also reading these texts right i was rereading reading eduardo's c corral's um slow lightning mm-hmm. and i was reading Stephen Sartarelli's translation of um gabriel d'annunzio not necessarily attempting to arrive at this this moment on the page with with this particular poem
2: mm-hmm.
1: but like just that curiosity and wonder to want more from something right and right. reading grants me that And this poem, in particular, I think, um, implements reading in that way, right? Mm -hmm. And this idea of tradition, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I come from poets before me who talk about these same subjects, Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking of Black, you know, gay male writers in particular, like Mm -hmm. Essex Hemphill, you know, Asoto Saint, Melvin Dixon, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and and working and navigating that tradition of um, how they, you know, deal with lyric. But, yeah, mainly in, in terms of content, what really brought me to this moment was trying to unravel and and really trying to pinpoint, you know, where in my life and, and, and how and in what ways does desire end up wounding us a lot of the times?
2: Right.
1: Uh, and and how much of that wounding have we allowed for the simple fact that we might find pleasure in it? You know? Right. Almost, you know, and it's very much so a masochistic poem. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a masochist poem. Um yeah. So, yeah, I think that's where, for the most part, the poem came from.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh and, oh, and actually creating, I guess I should say that this poem started out, like, in terms of form, right?
0: Yeah.
1: The, the poem started out as a sonnet. Mm. Um, and I, I just, Because I hadn't written in so long, I was like, okay, I need to write something. Okay, it's a sonnet, 14 lines, 10 syllables each. You know. Not really, you know, focusing and honing in on, you know, staunch traditions mm. of the sonnet, right? Like, oh, I'm not going to write in meter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I chose, you know, 14 lines, 10 syllables, each line, you know, to mm-hmm. sort of generate, help me generate something. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and the poem kind of came from that, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 that form gave me a container to, mm-hmm. to voice my my thoughts, my wonders, my possibilities, right? And my many iterations of myself, right? Mm-hmm. and. I realized that the sonnet wasn't enough, right? I was like, Oh, I need to turn this into a crown somehow. Mm. But I didn't turn it into a, a and it in the the poem didn't lead me to turn it into a traditional sonic crown, right?
2: Mm.
1: It led me to queer the crown.
2: Mm. It led
1: me to blacken the crown, right? Like mm. it, it to, you know, do these swerves and, and pivots in the in the formal structure of the of the poem itself. Um, mm. so that's why you get the feeling of a sonic crown, but you don't necessarily get the look of it on the page.
0: Right. Well, explain
1: the crown a little bit. Yeah, so a, a sonnet crown it is several sonnets in one poem. Mm, okay. So it's like a sonnet sequence, right? right? And the ending of the of the first sonnet is the beginning of the second right. sonnet, is the, yeah. you know, and it goes on and it goes on until right. you, uh, you know, in a very contemporary context, you you know, you get tired of it, I guess, <laughs> or when the poem demands that you stop, right? Right. But in a traditional concept, I think it's like it varies from eight to fourteen sonnets, if I'm not mistaken. Oh,
0: okay. Wow, so this is a short one, then, relatively speaking. Yeah, <laughs> relatively
1: speaking, it is a short one because it's of you know it, it has its six parts as opposed to eight to you know right.
0: fourteen. Right. Yeah. And as you said before, there is a sense of masochism in there. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And the exploration of the pain we go through in order to achieve what we think we want at the yeah. end, not knowing if yeah. we get there. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's, I guess to speak personally, that, that has been so much of, of, I believe, of my, you know, sexual arrival, you know, or becoming, you know. Right, right. And for the most part, it has not been, you know, this beautiful place where I can find beauty in. Yes. But it's been a very complicated and difficult, you know, we were talking about this before.
2: Um, yeah.
1: In some ways, we were talking about this before we started recording, like, you know, difficulty, Right. Yeah. Um, in, in all aspects, in a particular, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. focus on, in my work at large, how that functions, like how you know, difficulty and power and lust and desire functions sexually. Right? Right.
0: Well, actually, power, I'm glad you mentioned that, because mm. especially in the very beginning, <laughs> the first time, there, um, but throughout, there's a lot of aspect of power dynamics. Mm, yeah. yeah. And you let me know, because uh, I'm, I'm not as familiar just because you're a bottom doesn't mean you're powerless. Yes, or, the, yeah, right. Yeah, or, or or the weaker of the two or any of you. Correct, other. correct
1: right. the, the, Yeah, that's right. important. Yeah. So
0: separately from the fact that that you mention you're a bottom, which is not necessarily <laughs> This poem mentions the bottom now that you mention it I could see it mm-hmm. at the same time mm-hmm. just because somebody is a bottom in a particular instance like this poem doesn't mean they're a bottom always
1: right so yeah could be a switch yeah well. yeah
0: so tell tell me about the power dynamics of it it's it's really interesting why did you decide to write especially as a person from the african-american community Mm-mm. steep in uh, this country's history why invoking a master invoking the whip
1: hmm. wow yeah that's a really good question i never thought of that and i'm Perhaps should have, and thank you for bringing this to my knowledge. I never thought about those contexts so close together. It's interesting, right? Because I think there's power Mm -hmm. again—that word, power—and the choice who to perform these acts with, Mm -hmm. right? Like the fact that—and hopefully I made this clear—but in the poem, you know, especially from the first line, thinking about like his teeth are lilies bursting from asphalt, right? Asphalt being this this dark. color, right, mm-hmm. so pigment, and mm-hmm. melanin, right, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, hopefully you get the fact that both of these lovers in some way are black mm-hmm, queer people mm-hmm. exploring yeah. this idea of, of masochism with each other, right, because mm-hmm. there is an an important, uh, and, and that is there, and I think that's where the tension of the poem arrives mm-hmm. in that choice uh, to include a whip, right, yeah. but I, I think there's also beauty in. You know the object you know there's beauty and there's power and there's extravagant in, in, in the objection right mm. or, or what other people perceive as objection right mm. when, when in reality to what you said earlier being a bottom is not always you being submissive right you know and you don't have to be what conventionally what people call power bottoms to be powerful right, right. I think there is power and allowing another to take charge yeah right and thinking about, you know, the fact that these are, you know, two black beloveds doing this, right? right. Engaging in this act, right? right. But that's, that's interesting. i never really got that <laughs> question about this poem before. Thank you for the, the, that reading. It's important
0: Welcome. to note I, that. But I also think at times it's unfair to put that on somebody who's writing from a African-American background because,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, you could be into BDSM. Correct. Right? Yeah, you just, can. You can. Just as, a, as an individual.
1: Yes. Um, yeah.
0: But unfortunately, given our history in America, yeah, that yeah. will always be something that's being invoked.
1: Mm, yeah. No matter what. Yeah. You are so right. <laughs> <laughs> You're hitting the, the nail on the head. You're accurate. It's almost inseparable. Yeah. In many ways, and it, and it's more than just in sex, right? And mm-hmm. you know, it's in all power dynamics, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. like
1: it—the chattel enslavement of, of you know black people, of, of mm-hmm. African people—is right. ingrained. Anti-blackness is ingrained right. in all of America, right? Yeah, and I would even argue is to say the world. Yeah, you know, so it's it's
0: through colonialism. Through colonialism.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's it's inescapable. So yes, that is. A, but that is a, a beautiful reading, and I wish people did read my poems in that way more,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right? And as opposed to just because thinking about um, audience and readership, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: At a reading at the Hayden Spirit Review launch uh, for their issue that I appeared in, it was a poem titled A Study in Black Faggotry, right? Mm -hmm. This white woman came up to me afterward and she was like, that was really good gay erotica. I was like, interesting that you had that reading, right? But it definitely has
0: that.
1: It's, <laughs> it it's, does. It it's does. It's most
0: floral way of mm. describing something that's raw and yeah. really
1: yeah. there
0: is definitely a eroticism to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, in, I'm, I'm grateful for all types of iterations, right, and all types of readings of mm-hmm. my speakers and their in right. the poems that I do write, right. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to me because I, I went to tell friends what she said, like right after she said it. And they were like, I I would have, you know, done this or that, you know, like they they were offended by it. Mm -hmm. But I shockingly was not uh, because I another reason why I became literate, I guess, is because the fact that when I was reading, when I chose to read. You know, back in the day, mm-hmm. I, I was reading gay erotica. So right. a lot of that probably, the conventions of gay erotica probably do lead to my work, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that's an even more in, in, important reading, right? The fact that this poem harkens back in, in some ways to mm-hmm. the, the issue, right, of,
2: right. of
1: you know, slavery. The fact that a, a whip was involved in the fact right. now in a very contemporary context, a whip is involved in this poem. Right? Yeah, There is an incredible tension there. And I value that reading over something like, you know, a like gay erotica. I still welcome all types of readings, right? right but yeah. that is a, a, a more important question to me to answer. Thank you. My and I wish yeah. people ask more questions like that.
0: Well, the poem itself brings out some of these questions because it's very yeah. layered. Hmm. Like I said, throughout, there is a power dynamic, but nothing as... Yeah. Like the first sonnet really sets it up, hmm. though so that you, re- yeah. you kind of reverberates in your mind mm-hmm. till the end and there's also that i don't know if this is actually about your first experience because obviously the poem as a story mm-hmm. tells us about a first experience
1: yeah yeah it does and i, and I think i i tend to dwell in the land of a first experience, right? right. Not to, for the simple fact that I want to generalize my writing or make my writing more universal, but the simple fact that, you know, the speakers of my poems, I do not see them as me, mm-hmm. right? I see them as projections of me, right? Right. right. You know, they are, it's it's not the poet, it's the poet's speaker, right? Right, right.
0: Which is hard to separate for, yeah. especially people who do not read poetry often. Yeah, yeah. Partly because poetry is such an intimate literary art.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I like that intimate literary art.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: it is. It is an intimate literary art.
2: Yeah.
1: And I prefer that over, you know, and this is not to say anything, you know, or to condemn or convict emotionality, but I, I think I prefer, you know, terms like intimate because it is a very intimate experience, mm-hmm. especially if you're open yourself up to the possibilities of a speaker that probably looks nothing like you, right? right. Which yeah. I think is the real power of poetry, right? Yeah having all of us, in many ways, on the page, right? Right, right. I mean, yeah.
0: that's why we're still, even though, yes, American culture is steep in Western, yes. ancient Roman, yeah. Greek culture. Yeah. But still, we are reading poets from thousands of years before who live in a completely different environment, yes. different condition as yeah. us, yet we can relate to it.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And that's what, conversely, makes it so frustrating when it comes to the marketing of black-generated yes. art, yeah. it's like, oh, no, that's not relatable. But you're like, but we're reading people from t- thousands yeah. of years ago yeah. who don't live anywhere like us yeah. or near us.
1: The white canon, Western yeah. canon. And right? that's, that's really frustrating. Of old dead white men. There's yeah.
0: <laughs> and obviously, it's not that they're not good. Obviously, they're yeah. good. Yeah. That's why we resonate with them. Yeah. But if we can resonate with them, why can't we resonate with our contemporaries yeah. from a different yeah. community?
1: Right. And I think it's it's important to also face the fact that even then there were other people writing <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah. there were you know besides these white people right right you know, and the were... greeks
0: recognized that. yeah yeah, yeah. you know the yeah. greeks traded widely they, they were a world power power like we are now
2: yeah so yeah.
0: they are very familiar and there isn't that racial divide as we have now i mean there was definitely racism back then yeah, too but yeah. it's a different form it's not as mm. In a way, ingrained, codified, mm. it's more like a xenophobia mm. than mm. racism,
1: mm.
0: which
1: is, you know, I, Yeah, I think that, does, especially, I'm um, thinking about this, you know, the dictator that we have in office right now, right? Yeah. Like, And, you know, many will call it his America, right? Yeah. Um, like in...
0: Which doesn't exist.
1: You just say that one more time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For the folks in the back. Yeah, it does not. It, it it doesn't exist, but it
0: never existed. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it I think it does depend on where you are, right, in the lands, right. Especially, I'm, you know, we're here speaking in the borderlands, right. Mm-hmm. It's especially true here, you mm-hmm. know, like in in different places, it's it's different, but it's it's just you know xenophobia, you yeah. know, like racism is especially true here. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It, it's so apparent, and that's why it comes out in in a lot of the poetry mm-hmm. that I've encountered.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This othering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. of people from all kinds of communities where we're trying to find out how our little piece of puzzle yeah. fit with the rest of the, the yeah. bigger piece yeah. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but oh it's such a lovely poem I thank you as I said it's mea culpa. it's really just I don't have as wealth of a knowledge as I want to and hmm. the poetic world but i looked up the annuncio mm-hmm. his backstory was really interesting because he had i don't know if it was world War one or world war two that he flew a propaganda campaign he was a pilot I,
1: I think i have a feeling that it was world war one okay I'm not sure
0: yeah and both wars the italians were on the wrong side
1: mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: yeah
0: this is the yeah. irony of italy um when he came back, he was forced to land, and it blinded yeah. him yeah. for a period. So yes. he had to yeah. Yeah. slowly rely on his other yeah. senses. Yeah. So there was a lot of sensual... I, I didn't get to actually read his poem because, you
1: know... Yeah. Oh, the nocturnal is very long.
0: It's uh, like yeah. Extended prose
1: poem, so I can understand why. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So I read the backstory, oh, yeah. which was interesting because it was all the other yeah. senses that he had yeah. to rely on in yeah. order to quote, unquote, write this.
2: Yes, yes. Because he
0: had somebody, what's his daughter, I forget, who was helping him gather these little pieces of paper. These strips of paper, paper.
1: yeah. Yeah. That he eventually compiled into this great book, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And to then read your poem, which is also very sensorily rich. Thank you. All these elements. But it has that visual, obviously. Yeah. You're talking (laughs) about my hoping on Rosen. Mm. What was the other word? I can't even remember. Uh,
1: My whole Rosen hole. Um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yes. there's a lot of images. In there. So there is
0: a lot of imagery <laughs> yeah. that it involves your either eyes looking or mm. thinking, using mm. your mind's eye to kind of mm. form this picture. But it also yeah. has this ten, you know, all the senses are stimulated mm. in that poem. Thank you. So, since you were saying you're not writing from your personal perspective in this particular poem, are there s- certain stories, backgrounds that led you to write this particular uh, scenario?
1: I think about, um, not necessarily that it's not my perspective, but it is perhaps a amplified version of my perspective, right? right? Um, but also, you know, being in a community with, you know, other Black women, right? Like, this is not an experience that is simply isolated to me right like it is a an experience shared through bottom hood right (laughs) i think that you know community if anything Mm -hmm. looking and finding uh, the self and other aspects especially in uh, in other people too right right? but also in in ways like art um and and i forgot like and maybe i should include this in the you know maybe if it gets published in the book i'll include an extended like Mm -hmm. (laughs) um some type of extended um you know, citation. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not remembering right now, like part of this poem also um, quotes Barry Jenkins' commentary on moonlight, right? Mm. Riffing is like important to me, mm-hmm. right? Um, riffing with citation, let's keep that
2: clear, right? right? right, right. <laughs>
1: but also this idea of, you know, this experience of reading as well. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the fact that I, you know, you are able to read a, a visual text, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not just a film, it's not just cinema, it's visual text. Right? Right. So I, and listening to Barry Jenkins' commentary on the the movie Moonlight. Hopefully listeners are familiar with it. It's a
0: lovely movie. It is
1: such a beautiful fucking movie. And I think I just arrived to this point where I was just like, I want to see technically, like, right? You know, I want to see aesthetically how this is done, how it is captured, right? So I chose to listen to Barry Jenkins' uh, commentary. And he was speaking in regards to his actors, the relationship he has with his actors, right? Mm -hmm. And when he talks about, you know, collaborating with his actors, he says, I want, he said this thing that r- really stuck to me, like, mm-hmm. I want us to arrive somewhere together, right, mm-hmm. or something along those lines, and so I kind of, you know, took that and altered that and, and, mm-hmm. and placed that into the poem, because I thought mm-hmm. it was, it fit, you know, it, it yeah. fit, it was it's, yeah. it. was supposed to be there. Yeah. So, that I you know, I arrive, you know, th- to poems in many ways, the chief way for me is, like, community for sure. Mm-hmm. Because I have you know friends who I consider beloveds and I don't know if I would still be in poetry if I didn't have them right, right. but also you know looking at how other things are done right mm-hmm. across the the aesthetic spectrum right mm-hmm. across the artistic spectrum like films that I admire you know mm-hmm. visual art that I admire right mm-hmm. so yeah that that's also I believe where you know, poem sort of comes yeah. from
0: yeah and I, I feel like now that you mentioned moonlight mm-hmm so much of moonlight Mm -hmm. is about what's not said yeah
1: yes yes (laughs) yes yes Uh, the unsaid yeah
0: yeah and i feel like your poem says those things Mm. it's the one that tees out all the things that were Mm. left unsaid and you just say it and and you say it in such a such a beautiful way Mm, i kept seeing like our nouveau the tendrils Mm. all of them curling in this idealized romantic way in some ways Mm -hmm. that even though it's talking about something that could be interpreted as almost physical abuse there's some Mm -hmm. aspects of it
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: that it still leaves you thinking wow god this is just it's i don't know it's I wrote a poem, which I actually don't like as much, but it's inspired by a story about something really hard, Mm -hmm. this hard life that this person was going through about death. Yeah. Yeah, it was so beautifully written that afterwards you did not feel this...
1: Mm, you the did dread not, in the morning yeah. yeah. You didn't
0: feel like everything yeah. was lost. Everything yeah. was... You didn't go into an entire funk about yeah. it.
1: Yeah. And I'm interested and I'm invested in, in complicating those feelings, right? And mm-hmm. making that difficult because a lot of the time, and and I, I guess I'm going to borrow from right, mm-hmm. the ideas is back, like grief can exist alongside ecstasy and sometimes yes. one can even confuse the two for yeah the same thing yeah. right and I, I, mean, and I think that's that's probably where i was going with this poem
0: yeah i mean that's what bdsm is all about. right, right yeah <laughs> yeah so
1: and to be frank it's not necessarily a culture that i see myself moving into mm-hmm. uh, in particular probably not with someone i do not trust her. right right um
0: what you, you can never do that because you're exposing yourself to so much risk
1: right yeah yeah Yeah, one would argue too much risk, but just just (laughs) amount of just the right amount of risk is okay. Yeah, Yeah. but yeah, too much risk is risky. Yeah, it's it's dangerous. It is. Yeah, it it is pretty dangerous. So I, I think you know, and for the most part, I I do think of myself as someone who's like hella vanilla. Like (laughs) for the most part, you know, I'm I'm interested more in like damn i'm going deep i'm interested more in like making love as opposed to you know what i mean like the the strictly carnal aspect of Mm -hmm. you know or animalistic aspect of sex right right but i'm interested in like how sex in some ways complicates and i keep saying this word complicates and sort of accentuates us as human beings right Mm -hmm. and how those choices are um intended to make us in the world. You know what I mean? How these encounters shape us,
0: right? Right. Well, it's so central not only to just the attainment of pleasure, Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. attainment of existence. Mm -hmm. And because Mm -hmm. those two are, Mm -hmm. they're separable, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because it's the same act that results in two things.
2: Yeah. And sometimes
0: the same time, sometimes not.
2: Yeah, yeah. That is yeah.
0: often confused and yeah. mixed up together. Yeah. I mean, that's why well, VP, this is the second time i am mentioning the VP, because of his mm. relationship to <laughs> sexual matters, <clears throat> sexual politics, <clears throat> and his, his like <clears throat> fear, yeah. of, almost like a pathological fear of it. You know, it's, it's really interesting.
2: Yeah,
0: it is. So it's this dynamic... That I got out of your poem, the sense of loving someone that, or loving something, or the thing that the someone represents that you might not be able to get, that might not be good for you. That I picked my poem.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: which is called Dying in the Dark.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to read about that. Well, it's
0: reading. Yeah. She never looked as pretty as in the brochures. Her gloss cracked on closer examination. But we loved her for her ideals, for the possibilities she promised. Still, when her hands fell, they fell on us, who didn't appear in her dreams or were feared as nightmares. When her arms tired of carrying the light, shadows crawled to erode its sheen, and darkness expanded to consume, unabated, all regardless of lateral lean. Burying us deeper beneath the reach of the philosophy she claimed to believe, our voices never allowed to fully flourish, graspy from competing demands for justice. As she slumped, exhausted, legs weakened from atrophy, our cries muffled under the weight, of her fallen pleated skirt, pulled loose by naked ambitions for a false supremacy.
1: Well, what do you want to say about your
0: poem? Well, when I first read your poems, mm-hmm. it took a few passes for me to gain a better understanding, partly because I've not been sleeping well, as you know. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm aware.
0: So I was like totally in a fog.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> I guess my poem didn't help, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, no, it was wonderful. It just, it needed more attention and more, um,
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: mm-hmm. like, mental capacity than I could I, give it at the moment.
2: Yeah, I
0: understand. So <laughs> it took me a while. In the meantime, this impeachment trial was going on. Yeah. And yeah. the night, or the night before, I forget, that I send you the poem, was when they voted not to include any witnesses. And I remember a line from, weirdly enough, Washington Post uses this tagline, which is, democracy dies in the dark, or Mm. in the darkness, I can't remember. So I was looking it up, and I happened to have found this uh, article from Detroit Metro News that was from last year, I think April? And it was about Judge Damon Keith,
2: Mm-hmm. Who
0: had just died? Uh, well, in April, mm-hmm. but I ran into this article and I thought it was like so apropos because he coined the phrase uh, in this modern age: "Democracy dies in the dark." Mm-hmm. And I posted that as a, as a Twitter because I felt like it was so apropos of the moment. Yeah, his death as well as what he was talking about: democracy dying. Right. And then I always think of the Statue of Liberty. Well, I grew up in New York, so mm, okay. I've never been in her or on her.
1: <laughs> Talk about penetration. Yeah. Yeah. Or like near in her. her or on her.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I've only yeah. seen her from far. Oh. Um,
1: so this poem is about the Statue of Liberty.
0: Well, the imagery that the imagery, invoked yeah. is her, yeah. but um, the ideal obviously is America.
1: Right. Yeah. And and I didn't mean to say about right because I no, no. I tire myself of talking about the aboutness of phones, right? right like what does a poem suggest and, you know all these other ways of looking at phones. but like I I what I meant is the, the she in the poem right like that's the statue of liberty right I, I was trying to understand
0: yeah well so. the image I have in my mind and I feel like the image that many people associate with America is her is right. the Correct. statue yeah um, yeah. The larger she is, even in this poem, when I say she is both, mm. is the image that the Statue of Liberty invokes
2: right. in terms right, of
0: Americana.
2: Right. And so mm. I
0: guess she could be if I wanted to pinpoint it to something or someone, right. it would be Americana. Right,
1: right. So Right. I yeah, I can I can see that. My initial um, reading of the poem. I, I thought it was, you know, a mother, right? Mm. The she, and I thought the the we in the poem, you know, was the mother's children. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I assumed. Uh, I glimpsed it. It has that aspect,
0: yeah. Definitely. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I have to say, when I read your poem, it felt very fatherly in mm. some aspects of it, <laughs> even though, Ooh, okay. and and obviously. <laughs> It would mean the rest of it crosses certain boundaries that it should not normally cross, you know. But I feel like there was a lot of boundary crossing in that particular poem, as yeah. well. Not in terms of the LGBTQ aspect, but
2: the right.
0: the aspect where you were talking about the first sauna, where you were talking about how there's beauty in yeah,
1: amid danger, there is also beauty. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: and because there were a few things that made me feel like Something about the relationship that might not be a normal Mm -hmm. uh, LGBTQ relationship. And not even a BDSM relationship. But something was crossing certain boundaries because you talked about physical abuse. You invoked that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure from the poem whether or not that was something that was for the characters depicted in the poem, if Mm -hmm. it was deliberate, if it was consensual or not. Because, you know, yeah. there's yeah. there's something about it that seems like an older person reminiscing about an experience yeah. in the past. That. Yeah. So it, it's, it,
1: it's thank you for that. You you are continuing to like thrill me with your reading of the poem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, e- even though like I I can I can definitely see that like mm-hmm. that, that daddy aspect of the of the poem mm-hmm. like and you know it it probably is some personal things bleeding through because mm. i do have a complicated relationship with my father right mm. but um for the most part like in the with the poem is sort of based around but sort of veers away from right. uh, but not as a means to like uh, distract or right. um, but as a means to means to somehow zoom out right, right. like what is it what is sort of, sort of it comes from is like you know two people around the same age, right? Mm
2: -hmm. One
1: being this like, you know, military hardened, you know, black man, Mm
2: -hmm. right?
1: Like, and, you know, this other one being this more, and again, like this would make, (laughs) this would be very difficult to like discuss, Mm -hmm. but like it, you know, this more softer, right? More submissive partner. Mm. Who is also black, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can, I can yeah, I can see the daddy aspect I played in that poem. Yeah, like yeah. But,
0: And also yeah. I I had the benefit of reading the other poems in the packet mm-hmm. that you've sent me. Yeah. And and I couldn't tell whether or not it harkens back to the first experience poem. But but I felt like the first experience poem had a, a lot more balance in terms of power balance mm-hmm. and in terms of it felt like more a love relationship or a physical love relationship between equals. Wow. Rather than that this is, one.
1: <laughs> that is also an important reading because, uh, you know, I, this is one of the. Well, I, I guess since then, you know, those poems were written after I got into it or during, you know, when I was actually in love, right? Mm-hmm. For the first time at that, mm-hmm. right? So maybe, yeah, that's. Wow, I almost want to cry but yeah like that that's that makes a lot of sense to me that like the poems that come later as opposed to this poem that i wrote like earlier which was like october of 2017 and these poems that sort of you know found their form and found their content after that Mm -hmm. and the fact that i really was very much so in love and you know with someone Mm -hmm. um for the first time maybe yeah that definitely that personal aspect does Mm -hmm. um shine a light a different light upon those poems as opposed to on you know right. this earlier poem where i'm just you know frankly just now coming into my queerness right
2: because right.
1: there are personal aspects to poem making right, right. that right. that's undeniable right. I, I wouldn't say that the work is particularly theory, therapy but it is cathartic yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I think maybe maybe yeah that's definitely the reason why you know the fact that i really knew love firsthand for myself and to mm-hmm. that, that it's not always making yourself you know lower for someone right? yeah yeah. Uh, and desire is not always you being treated this particular way, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it varies. It varies. Yeah, they're
0: very they're different experiences. Mm, yeah. There were some yeah. some common aspect to it. But mm. overall I feel like it's not an overlap. It's not like a you know yeah. um complete overlap. So I mean that's why that's why I chose this poem because mm, I had you. just written this poem and it felt like mm.
1: very much mm.
0: that experience yeah. of loving someone who maybe you should not be loving
1: (laughs) yeah Um, america is very difficult to love
0: yeah who doesn't love you back Mm, in the way that you need it yeah and that's why there's so much of it feeling like you're being buried you're being um silenced yeah yeah there was a lot of that
1: and and i'm thinking about like you know relating that back to actual you know the the text of the poem like the second stanza where you say still when her hands fell they fell on us who didn't appear in her dreams or were feared as nightmares which is a very you know different way to say like this is how we experience depression right Mm -hmm. a more lyrical way to say that right like I meant to say oppression, but depression too, which is, is, which is a side effect
2: of oppression oppression (laughs) and
1: and, and systematic, you know, racism and and all these isms. Right. But I I think that's an an important and interesting choice that you said fell on us. Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, you know, that there was no harsh action there. There's, it, it fell on us. It didn't. It didn't uh, punch us. It didn't pummel us, right? We yeah. didn't necessarily crumble beneath its weight. That's not in the poem itself, right? Yeah. You, you chose to say that it fell on us, which I think is a very fascinating choice.
0: Yeah, it was not as um, action-oriented. Right. It was not as deliberate,
1: mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm.
0: even though falling is still can be a deliberate action. Mm-hmm. But I feel true, like true. a lot of evil, there's the banality of evil. Yeah. Yeah, is that yeah. a lot of it is not done deliberate you don't even uh, have the benefit of being the deliberate target of somebody's mm, evil doing yeah. which will mean regard
2: yeah because
0: yeah. if they deliberately do something against you that means they regard you mm, as important Right. Even though it's a negative importance, That's it's still important. Yeah. But fell on us feels more like yeah. they're just doing whatever they're doing and we're just the right. random like, victims.
1: Yeah. Like it's become second nature for them just to do this now. They don't yeah. know any other way. Right? Yeah. Or any and, other alternatives to that. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it feels so, it's a secondary pain. It's mm-hmm. like
1: mm-hmm.
0: we're not even worth the deliberate action. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Well, so... Yeah. Reminding me of this passage in uh, Claudia Rankine's *Citizen*, mm. at this talk with Judith Butler, she mentions um, the fact that you know racism has to do with all the ways that you are um, present. I-, I believe all mm. the ways that you are here in front of my face, right? Yeah.
2: You
1: got you know I me mean? thinking about that, and I need to find that particular passage in order to quote it like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, how it should be. But like it's yeah, it's it's interesting how. in some ways, they, you know, that they, right, Mm -hmm. you know, they TM, right? Mm -hmm. Like, choose to um, disregard you and regard you in in the same type of way. Right. It it is somehow, it's both somehow.
0: Yeah, because the systemic aspect is very impersonal. It's just because we belong to certain
1: communities. interesting.
0: Therefore, it's almost like a large machine sweeping us away. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been so ingrained in the system that is done automatically without reflection.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah.
0: then there are the ones that we think of, especially in terms of the civil rights w- movement, mm-hmm. where people mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. you know, the KKK coming out and then, or setting somebody's front lawn on fire with, mm-hmm. with a cross. You know, these are deliberate yeah, actions. Yeah,
1: being so emboldened to, yeah. act, you know, to yeah. actually and actively, right, engage right. in these, right. you
0: know, So, I mean, both of them right. exist. We, and it, it exists in that stanza as well because as yeah. I said you know when her hands fell it fell on us yeah
2: yeah
0: which is not necessarily deliberately fell on us mm. but then yeah. then her regarding us or not even regarding us not even part of her dreams right like right like. You know, I'm East Asian, so it's like we're always foreign. Yeah. So we're not part of that American dream.
1: Correct, yeah. Or, that can be said for a lot of yeah. yeah.
0: Or as nightmares, which unfortunately, mm-hmm. especially the black mm-hmm. and brown community, tends to embody those nightmares for people who fear keep people. invoking mm-hmm. America, but yeah. do not put us under that umbrella. Yeah. So sure. it talks about both the deliberate and the systemic. Mm-hmm. But...
1: Yeah, it's painful either way. Yeah, it is. It, it hurts, and, it, and you know, people need to be cognizant of that fact, and conscious of the fact that it does hurt. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I hope that you know, folks will be more vocal about the ways in which you know how we hurt, and the fact that we actually do hurt and have feelings, right? Yeah. Because yeah. so much of the I'm thinking about you know modern Black life and historically you know Black life in mm-hmm. America and. F- beyond america right has been Mm -hmm. animalized right and considered Mm non-human right inhuman or you know non-human um so in many ways they don't think that we can you know Mm -hmm. feel as a as a regular human should feel or ought to feel
2: right Right. um
1: because our bodies are simply you know you know cargo they're simply vessels they're simply you know we're the buck we're the you know so yeah it's yeah (laughs) yeah it's some shit. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's
0: some yeah. shit. It's really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, and that's why I decided to to give you this poem. I was thinking of discussing with you another a poem about sexuality that I wrote, but then I was like, mm-hmm. no, this one. I feel like this is. <laughs> it, it talks about love, right? Yeah, a different manifestation of yeah. love. So. Um, In
1: some ways it's a, a critique to patriarchal, uh, well, world yeah, patriarchal love, but also you know, patriotic love, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, maybe not patriarchal, my apologies for that, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, it really does speak to, you know, um, patriotic love, right?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and the blindness of, of patriotic love, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: because... Um yeah, you as know, I said, said in the beginning, she never looked as pretty as she did in the brochures. Yeah,
1: <laughs> she yeah, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> the marketing yeah. is not the same as the real thing. At the least thing. not for some of us. Yeah. Right? yeah. So and there's the frustration in, that, in yeah. that. Yeah. Because we we want to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah. anyway. When <laughs> <laughs> I try to enter poems I'm mainly mm-hmm. looking at, you know, um, this is probably just not a, a question, but I guess a statement on, on how I choose to read poems, especially poems that don't necessarily situate me in a very particular place, right? Mm-hmm. Or a poem that can be read as universal, right? Mm-hmm. Just not to indict a poem like that, right? Yeah. But it's, it's to say, you know, there are different you know, modes of speaking in the poems, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and presenting things and revealing knowledge in, in poems. And one of the things I may look at, and I think I was taught this by um, a teacher of mine for a brief time, Greg Parklow, um, who talked, who, you know, really tried to pound into my, he- our heads in that workshop, you know, the, the aspects of lyric, narrative, and dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that this was a narrative poem, but with lyric strategies, mm-hmm. because of the, um, what, so, what some may call abstractions in the poem, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was really trying to situate myself, and this is why I guess I was trying to arrive at this place where like oh okay this 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 she is a mother Mm. and this we is you know perhaps the mother's children Mm -hmm, um there perhaps is some type of uh way of um the speaker um, implementing themselves in in that we somehow right
2: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. so it could be you know third person singular right in some way which led me to believe like oh what if this speaker is hiding from something you know Mm -hmm. i think that's how i In terms of poems, but I also look at form-wise what it's doing. Mm. And I think one of the things I neglected when talking about my own poem was like the the aspect of pattern, Mm. right? Like how I view pattern in poetry, like and how I think pattern in poetry um, or in a particular poem is meant to be meaningfully disrupted. Mm. And I think you sort of do that when you have, you know, regarding the form where it's like these these quatrains,
2: Mm. right?
1: And then it ends with this, you know. This couplet, right, yeah. which is sort of a, you know, this this way of, it's sort of like a, a half measure, and I hope I'm not using that word wrong, yeah. of, you know, the quatrain, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's cutting the quatrain short, right? Yeah. Which sort of, you know, if the poem is about injustice, right, yeah. um, and like, you know, speaking or talking against, and against the terms of proximity, right? Mm-hmm. Patriotic, you know, love, right, this love for country, yeah. then it, it sort of speaks. You know, it speaks to the fact that this is being meaningfully interrupted, right? Mm. The fact that, you know, you're making this commentary and you're interrupting, you know, how the poem presents on the page.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And adding your voice to the conversation with sort of, you know, content and form melting together. Yeah,
0: yeah. The ironic thing is I mostly do not pay attention to the form. Mm. I usually write a poem straight through and Mm. then I go back to it and then I break them up to stanzas Mm. so some of the stanza breaks are a little bit awkward like a couple of them i noticed Mm. that it's like myth thought although Mm. most of them are sort of complete thought complete thought at each quatrain um but i think that maybe the third and the fourth or something there was like it's a continuation Um,
2: yeah yeah i noticed
0: that yeah, and but then the couplet was definitely, and also the, the syllables that run shorter in the last yeah, two, yeah. The, the last one especially, it's like an interruption, it's like, I want you to think about that particular thing and end with that.
1: But that, I almost forgot about also, um, I guess in regards to form, but also in content as well, because it's speaking to like the words, right? Poem, but like how this 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 rhyme scheme sort of like appears, mm-hmm. like how it doesn't begin with a rhyme scheme, yeah. but it sort of appears like within um like the, the second and thirdish, yeah, um, somewhat in the second, but a, a lot in the third and the fourth stanza. Yeah, like how that that you know, and it gets me to thinking about t- traditionally how Western like
2: is Anglo- either or, yeah, in, in, in Anglo
1: <laughs> um, English um, like the way that the quatrain was, you know, how we have explored the quatrain, right, was through rhyme, screen, rhyme right. scheme, right? Um, and I think it speaks to that, like, on a formal level, like how you are adding your voice to this conversation, but you're also somehow still, you know, simultaneously in conversation with tradition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and know, it's while not- also disrupting it. Yeah, yeah so and it's, it's
0: not done on purpose, as I said. Yeah, when I yeah. write, mostly it's just I'll let whatever flow flow.
1: Yeah,
0: I very seldom write, especially to rhyme. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like form disrupts what I'm trying to say, so I just try to say what I have to say first, yeah. and then edit them to form. I mean, this is not mm-hmm. the most rigorous of processes or attempts mm-hmm. it's just i felt like oh it, it seems to break pretty naturally on a quatrain mm-hmm. and so i just let it become like four quatrains and a no five quatrain uh, mm-hmm. can't even remember no, a yeah. <laughs> and a couplet yeah. so um and the rhyming itself is also is like some. Sometimes i fall into rhymes and, mm. rhymes and then fall out of rhymes, as yeah. you can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah It yeah. just happened to...
1: Yeah, but it's it's, it's fascinating that it's in rhyme, right? Because we right. don't really do that anymore. Yeah. And for the most part, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. It's, it's contemporary writers, and I think yeah. it's a really gutsy move to do that,
0: right? <laughs> Accidental yeah. guts. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I felt like sometimes you just kind of... Certain things, is. Like, especially when I said the lateral lean, I was looking for words. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say something that's not already familiar with people who are watching what's going on politically. Mm-hmm. I didn't want mm-hmm. them to say, think, dog whistle, therefore I'm not going to listen. <sighs> yeah. I wanted to use newer words so that people would pay more attention yeah. to that and be like, oh, what does that mean? If they have to think about it, yeah, then they're already open to thinking
2: yeah
0: yeah so yeah. yeah so there's that anyway I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about our poems and yeah. talk about love both physical and ideological mm-hmm. and how we are both you know at least through these poems are trying to arrive at yeah what would be best for us yeah you and
1: know? that conversation yeah, yeah. That conversation is important right?
0: yeah it is so in closing there are two things i always ask one is where can people see you read where do you mm-hmm. read regularly mm-hmm. and also how can people follow you on social media yes okay all right or, uh, or website
1: or yeah shameless plug time yes absolutely <laughs> i currently don't have anything planned for like the month of april on mm-hmm. but if you want to book me for things you can follow find me at my website uh, jabari-allen.com um mm-hmm. it will lead you to a contact page That will send emails to my agent, I.S. Jones. Or you can uh, email I.S. Jones uh, directly at Jones at jabari-allen.com. The letter I, uh, the letter S, and then Jones um, at jabari-allen.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram um, at tenorandvehicle, T-E-N-O-R-A-N-D-V-E-H-I-C-L-E. You can reach me at Facebook. <laughs> if I know you then I'm more than likely I will accept you, but you can also follow me there. I'm yeah. um, gonna I'm gonna try to be better at posting things publicly about readings that I'll be reading at and cool. whatnot. But yeah, for the most part, you know, book me. Um, <laughs> and we'll oh, see. What's the
0: Facebook? Is it the same thing? Um
1: it's uh you can so you can type in Jabari Jawad Allen. Okay. Um and you can follow my page um, right. and get updates there. Okay of all the platforms I'm mainly on Twitter so mainly my yeah. Twitter is probably where you can reach me um, cool but yeah book me pay me
0: yes <laughs> we, uh, I think we need to pay artists a lot more
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? our reflection of our value system through uh, monetary rewards is really weirdly really <laughs> whacked
1: yeah out I mean, of, whacked, yeah, really out of exposure is great but it doesn't peak me yeah, yeah um, no. it doesn't
0: and we're made of matter as we do. <laughs> right, <morning>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I matter. Yeah. yeah. My pockets matter. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. I really appreciate this talk.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that we were able to do this. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. And thank you for reading your work and your words and yeah. everything, your energy. Just thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: While we're going through extraordinary times globally, I hope you would still find the time to listen to our podcast. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com and on Instagram, Twitter, as well as SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. I hope you have a healthy week. Take care of yourselves and your loved ones, and please support your community. And I look forward to bring you another episode next Sunday.